Hello, hello, welcome. This is the One Great Work Warriors. We're back for an exciting discussion. We've been meeting uh, very often and having these wonderful discussions. And today we're, we're going to share with you something we've been talking about, which is dealing with the devil's advocate. Everyone who has come across these topics of freedom, of natural law, hermetic principles, um, Brandon, myself, Jim, Jerry, and Rick, and uh, hopefully Derek will make it today. We've all come to very similar conclusions and realizations about these topics. And what we've found is when we discuss them with other people, friends, family, people we meet, we get some of the same arguments from people. And so we're going to kind of play the devil's advocate today and, and talk about how we deal with these common arguments, these devil's advocate arguments that we already get from everybody we try to talk, talk about natural law or trying to explain to people that the belief in authority is, is causing so many problems that it's making humanity go downhill in so many ways, what I call into the path of evil. But I'm going to hand it off to my man Brandon here and because I know he has done a little better uh, job preparing of how to discuss what, am, what do we mean by the devil's advocate. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for that wonderful intro. Thank you. And thank you. Rick, Jim, and Jerry for joining us, and yeah, hopefully Derek can join us later on. But yeah, um, you know, what do we mean by this devil's advocate role? Because we've heard this term, you know, used a lot, and a lot of times it's mis it's misrepres it's misrepresented. So, uh, the, the way that I like to you know, define it, it is the expression of of contentious rhetoric to invoke or spark conversation. Are held debate. I'm sorry, held debate. And the reason why you want to have this conversation because if you have this idea or this notion, and you know you want to make sure that it holds weight, then you have to kind of, you kind of have to weigh it to make sure that it's going to stand. You know, you have to kind of, you know, like show evidence or you know, like kind of have that skeptic role to make sure that 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 is going to hold. And this term devil's advocate comes from this mainstream understanding out of the Catholic church. And the reason for that uh, was when, when someone was going to be canonized, um, then, then they would find a priest or another um, clergy to play this devil's advocate role. And the reason for that is just to make sure that 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 this canonization or this individual knows, you know, what they are talking about and um, is is very knowledgeable. So this person, as they are playing this devil's advocate role, they are held the skeptic. They are to bring you know, information and evidence, and it's not to really attack one's character, but you are to uh, uh, to pretty much point at what is being presented, and you can try to dismantle it. And um, one of the main things are the are the reasons for this role is to spark conversation, to spark ideas, to to create a conversation, and to see if if this position that is being taken or held is 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 valid. So this is actually a very important tool to have. Because even though it comes out of this mainstream narrative of the Catholic Church, I want to say it's actually quite older because it was used a lot in forms of hell debate. And I've always kind of felt this role 
um, if you are familiar with the um, um, the Hegelian her dialectic, the thesis, her antithesis and synthesis, then I always looked at like the devil's advocate is almost kind of like the antithesis because you have the, you have this hell discussion or this idea or this notion being held at the thesis. So you always try to counter or have this counter argument, the skeptic, you know, just to help, just to make sure that this thesis will hold weight. So then therefore you would bring in this antithesis or this hell devil's hell advocate role. Um, then therefore, once all this information is put out, then you can come to a reasonable, logical understanding. And remember, in order to play this devil advocate role, you don't actually have to believe in this form of skepticism. You don't actually have to believe in this role that you are bringing to the table. You were just trying to make sure that this notion or this idea or this standpoint is is very valid by challenging it to make sure that it is going to hold and it is going to stand. So I'll pass that on to whoever wants to take over. Thanks, Brandon. That, that was fantastic. Um, the devil's advocate, I think too, you know, it's, we, we each want to have our own devil's advocate in our own head that allows us to compare and contrast when we're taking in information. If you can't argue with it, you're just going to be like a computer. You're just taking the information that someone's giving you and just repeating it back. So, you know, let's question these things. So one of the things that that I'm always trying to put out there to people is that we need to dispel this belief in authority. It's one of the main problems we have in the world, and it causes so much evil. But when you talk about the word anarchy, people get all confused. And they think anarchy means chaos. And they think anarchy means we get rid of all the rulers that things are just going to go crazy and, and that's basically the first argument that that i that i would like to start this discussion with because i think it's one of the most common things i've heard from people when i try to present the idea of voluntarism that we don't need a government that we don't need people to rule over us to be in charge of us to make laws for us man's law is not, not a good thing when you when i present that concept to people, um, they reject that concept because they say, "Well, the world would just—if we didn't have a government, we didn't have rules and laws, the world would go to shit, and there'd be like a Mad Max scenario, or other people call it uh, um, gangs in New York. You know, just gangs are going to take over; it's going to be complete chaos. So, you know, that's a good argument that people always make anytime you talk about anarchy, voluntarism." So we're going to discuss that subject a bit. Um, anybody want to talk first on that? Jerry, you want to um, give us your thoughts on that a little bit, maybe? Uh, yes. I just want to say that it sounds like that standpoint is coming uh, out of a place from fear. So instead of looking at it logically and or with intuition, they're sort of, uh, their, their fear is getting the best of them. And uh, they're seeing this horrible picture that there's just no way out. And uh, as we know, fear leads to chaos always. Um, unless you handle your fear and are brave enough to uh, practice courage and then see the way out, um, use your own brain, use your own imagination, your two cents in order to figure out the solutions. So 
I, I, I would like to say that the people who think anarchy means chaos are the ones who are just, um, what do you call it? They're lacking that knowledge. So we are here to tell you that anarchy means absence from rulers. And uh, that's all it means, folks. So I'll pass it on to whoever would like to go next. say a few things um so definitely you know only come across like i'm 48 years old and it's not until like a little less than two years ago where i really started to contemplate these things for myself you know morality objective morality and i i would have even thought the same thing that anarchy would mean chaos you know without really thinking it because i was just stuck in that programmed belief like and now now it's kind of like, like i'm still processing and i understand like when i have conversations with people that they're not going to get it right away because it took me a long time um but it's like um so yeah i've been having conversations with people and it's been a struggle but it's just what i was going to say is um it's kind of like i feel like i was was in a cult i'm trying to explain to people that they're in a they're in a cult and like it's hard to like tell people they're in a cult and get them not to believe it but um that's just kind of the experience of you know interacting with people and trying trying to uh you know spread this information um just recently i had started a youtube channel and I had a interaction with one of the uh, in the comments, and that that really stirred me up. Like as far as how I got to um, interact with this person, and like all their like kind of um, you know claims like against what I was saying, and going as far as it's just it's just everyone's opinion that they own their body, and all these kind of things and like i have to you know it really got me thinking like how can i uh you know respond to to this person and how how much they're stuck in that belief system and uh but but, but basically that i realized that um it took me this long to get this i i see how important i realize how important it is and to care about this and and to spread the information the knowledge and but understanding that, that it's going to take time for people to process it anyway and um that's it now uh pass it to rick well thank you great points guys i both of you Gary and Jim, you guys make great points, and this is something that I I, I come across a lot. People playing it, definitely the devil's advocate on me. They come at me when I start talking about these things. That's what I put on one, a couple of my slides that I submitted. That is what people are saying to me. These are the things that people say to me that, and they believe that that without authority, uh, you know, who who will uphold the law without authority figures and without government, who will make our laws? 
And then without government, who will manage our infrastructure? Those are the things that a lot of people come to me at back at me with. And I definitely think that it's what Jerry was saying, that people are in a state of fear. They can't imagine. When you tell people about a world without government, without somebody ruling over them, they really, they can't picture it. They can't see a world like that. That that would be at least not chaotic. And, and, and what we're talking about. And that's kind of what they say. And, and it's definitely, I think, this belief in in government and authority is a cult. I think you make great points when you say that. It's definitely a cult. And people have that cult mindset that when they talk about it and they they really have a hard time. And I, I try to explain to them that this can exist. This Things can exist without authority over us and without their, without them guiding our lives and controlling everything that we do. Because they, I mean, they got laws for everything now and people just have to get out of that mindset is what I, what I try to explain to them. It's it's really a difficult. People have a difficult time, and the point about our anarchy too. I when I talk about anarchy, everybody thinks that it means Mad Max scenario. They all that's what everybody I talk to. They're like, if that's what's going to happen, it's going to be anarchy, and they don't even know the meaning of the word. So I think it's important that we educate people on the meaning of words that they're even saying, because they 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 just have this Hollywood version, and of what it is. So that's my thoughts so far. Yeah, um, I'll jump in right here because usually what it is, is it's a projection uh, because a lot of people don't take accountability. A lot of people don't take self, you know, have responsibility. A lot of people don't really focus on how to shadow work. Then they project the external world based on how they are going to behave and how they are going to act. So the reason why they say, you know, things are going to spiral into chaos is because they themselves see their own self as the ones who would be doing, you know, have that chaos. So then they project it as, as though everyone else is going to act just like they are acting. So it's a major form of, of, of projection because they lack self-discipline and they lack self-control. So then therefore, because they have the collective high mentality, and they're going to think that, hey, everyone is just going to act like the way that I'm acting because I'm acting the exact way that everybody else is acting. So, yeah, it's 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 a projection. It's out of fear. And then, too, is out of programming, too, because, you know, how this is a response that has come from majority of the people. So how can all, you know, you know, how can all of these unique you know, individuals have that same response? So then, too, there is indoctrination and mind control behind it, too. And, you know, how the uh, pre-programming, because <clears throat> we all know that the words have been obfuscated and through entertainment and all of this stuff, all of this negative form of rhetoric that has been injected into their thought forms, into their thought patterns and into their minds. And therefore, they take that as being reality in and of itself. So, like Jerry said, it's fear um it's projection and then too it's just simply mind control you know absolutely yeah and it, it really goes to show brandon like you pointed out how much that hollywood and these movies affect us because i don't know how many times i've had this conversation with people like sometimes they'll start off where they'll talk about something they don't like about the government or getting taxed or you know they'll be complaining about some aspect of this situation and and i'll key off of that and i'll be like yeah why do we need government anyway you know i don't want it at all you know it's slavery 
And when I say that, then people, well, well, you can't just get rid of it because mm -hmm. then, then it would be, and they always say it would be Mad Max, or they say it would be gangs in New York or something like that. Just a bunch of gangs. And, you know, I mean, like, on the one side, okay, talk about devil's advocate. Like, I can kind of agree with them because to an extent, like, if, if tomorrow all government just stopped and there was no authority um, around the whole world in the snap of the fingers as if that could happen, um, yeah, we would have some problems because people are addicted and trained to be totally used to living in this cage. It'd be like, you know, a lot of times when people spend their lifetime in jail and they get out, it's so scary outside. They don't know what to do with themselves. It'd be like a fish that spent its whole life in a fish tank and then you just dropped it in the ocean. Yeah. You know, it, it's going to have a hard time adapting to a world of freedom. And so we're trying to describe a concept to people that, you know, it's basically all of our imagination because we've all lived in a world that we that's been completely based on indoctrination and dogma and authoritarianism. So from a young age, schools, doctors, uh, parents, all these people are ramming their ideas down our throat and often not giving us the option or the choice to say, I don't want to be part of this. No one ever asked me if I wanted to be part of this country or this idea or this constitution or you know, any of these things. And, and I'm not saying they're all bad. Like there are some good things about the constitution. There's some good things about our country, but don't I get the choice? You know, if I was born here, that means that the universe put me here, the divine creation put me here. And then you got people here in this area, in this zone where, where the divine creation of infinity brought me exactly where it wanted it. And you got people here that'd be like, no, this is ours. You got to pay us money. And you got to do things the way we already got it set up and our parents did or else, you know, and that's taking away choice, which is the most talk about divine. The most divine thing about what we are is beings that have choice. And so, you know, even if it is the Mad Max scenario that we're looking at, it's still the direction we have to go because it's what's right is to give people the choice to choose what they want to do or not. Now, that being said, realistically, it's not all going to change overnight. You know, governments aren't going to go away in one moment. You know, if we do start to change the mentality of people, we can start treating each other with respect sooner than later. And we still have the opportunity to do that in a pretty peaceful way right now. So, um, you know, I feel like we could keep arguing this scenario some more, but I would just challenge people to look at your daily day-to-day -day life and how often is there somebody actually there standing there, pointing your finger, telling you to stop at the stop sign or telling you to, um, you know, follow the laws. 99% of the time it's your own mind that's telling you what you're supposed to do or what you're not supposed to do. And there's not anyone else around any external authority to actually tell you or stop you from doing things. It's all based in belief system. So every time there's been an accident on the road or something goes wrong in your life, what happens? People figure it out and they don't need a president or a governor or any of these things to figure it out. You know, um, I don't know. Did anybody else 
want to jump in on the Mad Max scenario and the chaos anarchy theme. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, I'll jump in. And, you know, mind you, it's okay to have these ideas. It's okay, you know, to throw this rhetoric out because that's the whole point of the devil's, you know, advocate. So we're not attacking anyone, you know, who may retort, you know, hell with the whole devil's advocate, you know, scenario. But it can easily be, um, you know, he'll dismantle with just a little bit of reason and logic because we have chaos now with these authoritarian, uh, you know, how these uh, forms of authority we have here. And then two, the thing that really gets me when, you know, how when people throw this out is the abandonment, you know, factor is they don't want to um, um, leave mommy and daddy. So they still want how the government to, you know, feed them or, you know, clothe them or give them housing is the parental abandonment issue that is uh, a, a factor when people bring this up to a larger you know, degree. Because in actuality, what they are saying is you mean I have to grow up? You mean I have to take, you know, have responsibility? You mean you mean I have to make decisions and choices for myself like a big boy or a, a big girl? So it's projection, it's fear, and it's the parental abandonment. But when someone brings this argument to the table, it should not be shunned because these are the topics are, you know, that we have to, you know, talk about. Because even in a, a free society, there's still going to be forms of chaos. Chaos in and of itself isn't inherently bad. You know, it's just when it's man-made forms of chaos, of the wars, of the theft, of, you know, how the rapes and all of that stuff. Because there are natural forms of chaos and then you have man-made forms hell chaos so you're never really ever going to 100 percent get rid of hell chaos because we live in the physical domain but it's about you know trickling down that chaos to as little as possible so we can do as less harm as possible and therefore we can go on hell about our hell daily lives and doing um things with loved ones and families because there's always going to be people who are are going to always trample on rights and freedom Sadly, we never really ever are going to 100% get rid of that. But what we can do is learn these core principles, then learn to uh, adhere to these principles and boundaries and these teachings of objective morality, freedom, and natural law, and these occult teachings. And therefore, we can learn to live in harmony with nature and our fellow neighbors. Yeah, so like where I live in the uh, suburbs of New York, you know, it's a pretty upscale um, area. And a lot of the people I know, friends and family, you know, they they all are doing pretty well financially. And so it's hard to convince them that they're like living in slavery, you know? And, but so like they, they're definitely not going to want to cop to it like when their lives are so comfortable, you know, and they can afford to go out to eat a couple of nights a week and, and things like that. And, but I try to like explain to them like this, like the relativism of it is like, yeah, like you say, gangs of New York. And like, I think of the mafia all the time and how the government is just like the mafia. And, you know, we're contributing to that. Like, and, and the work that we do and, and the money 
go goes towards that. And like I think that's just a really like a important like a seed. And we we always talk about this stuff, but that that's a big one. Like to plant that seed about the relativism of the government is just like the mafia, and you know they're harming people, and and we're contributing to that. And um, I guess you know because you know they're just stuck in the belief system, like we we keep saying, and beliefs get people in trouble of course but i i do it, when it comes to beliefs for me i mean i'm crazy enough to believe that we can evolve the consciousness like brandon is saying to that you know um lower entropy uh, um like that's what i believe in i i do believe in humanity like i think that we can like is, is if more and more people can really grasp this that you know what we're contributing to and the government is really like the mafia and it does it does fucking matter that yeah why are they allowed to get away with this and and they have us like contributing to it but you gotta get people to really see that they are contributing to to evil and that's that's a tough sell but because like i said in the beginning there their lives are or they got a good life as far as, you know, financial. And so they don't want to cop to it. So it's just, that's the struggle that I find. Like a lot of the people I know that they would never consider themselves slaves because they're doing just fine. Like they can make enough and still be a slave. Like that they're like, Oh, that's fine with me. You know? So It's a really good point, Jim. I've, I've, I've uh, noticed that quite a bit. A lot of folks are like, hey, I'm happy. I'm good. You know, what's there to complain about? Why are you complaining? You know, and that's a very self-centered view of the world when we know that there's, you know, out there, there's children being kidnapped on a mass scale and people being raped and being used as, you know, human, human uh, cattle, you know, much less the way we treat animals, but you know, there's humans being treated like in really terribly ways on a mass scale. And just because some of these wealthy people we know uh, can get away with living a really comfortable lifestyle that maybe they shouldn't be quite so comfortable with because it actually is chaos when, you know, you drive right now through a lot of cities and there's tent cities that go on for blocks and blocks and blocks. And there shouldn't be that many people that don't have a home that are um, on drugs and all messed up psychologically. And that says something about our society and the way we're doing things that it's not working. Otherwise I wouldn't be there if it was working. So um, Jerry or Rick, you guys got any um, last comments on this topic before we move into the next topic? I just think you you hit it perfectly. I think everybody's hitting it perfectly that it's, it's so it's, it's such a, it's a, it's a tricky discussion. It really, it, it is. And it, it's an important one to have. And I just, I, I want to kind of save it for the end because I, I kind of got what I want to say at the end. So, but I, I definitely am agreeing with all, what all of you guys are saying. It, it's, it's so important to have, I think this back and forth is, I was saying before we even started recording that 
I do that with one of my friends. We go back and forth a lot. We do this devil advocate, devil's advocate thing a lot because I think it it brings out great conversation and it brings great answers to the forefront. And I agree with what Brandon and everybody is saying that people have to start doing this. It always boils down, it seems, to doing the work on yourself and the taking responsibility for yourself. And I think people have to start doing that. And of course, if you haven't done the work on yourself, you're never going to picture a world with without authority over top of you and guiding you and making these laws that we you know they're just crazy they have no they have no authority in these laws i mean it's just crazy that people make them and follow them but you can, you're never going to picture that if you're not doing the work and learn what objective morality is learn what principles are learn what natural law is if you don't even know any what any of these things are and know the true meaning of them of course you're never going to see a world where these apply and I think you guys know what I mean, I hope, but, you know, you have to learn these things and do the work on yourself before you can even imagine a world that we're talking about. I think that's just the foundation that people need to get on. That's my thoughts. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. I'll just, uh, you know, pitch in real quick. I uh, just wanted to say, like, do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill? Like, red pill is courage, blue pill is fear. Your choice. I'll pass it back to you, Chris. Well, I'll take that, um, I'll take that red pill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty curious guy, you know, and I, I like to ask a lot of questions. I always have. I like to think about things. But, you know, some things that we think about are kind of dangerous, you know, and they lead us down paths that can be scary. And I think that's kind of what happens with some of these discussions that I've had with people is um, if you're really used to living your life or making decisions based on um, like what someone else told you or a structure or a dogmatic thing, then it's really scary to have to figure it out completely all by yourself. And I think that leads well into the next um, topic where we're going to bring up, which is conjecture. Um, Brandon, you want to introduce the term conjecture for us, please? Yeah. <laughs> Man, we've all we've all heard this one. Um, you know, Chris, that's just your opinion. You know, Chris, that's just conjecture. Or, you know, you know, Rick, you're saying that morality is objective. That's just your, you know, that's just your opinionated, you know, you don't have beliefs. So let's define what conjecture is. Conjecture is an opinion that is formed or belief that is formed by you know, incomplete you know, information. So um, pretty much it's, it's just a form of blind belief, but you take your opinion as something more than what it actually is. Um, so when you're stating something that is actually true, that's not conjecture. Uh, so, you know, like when we're talking about freedom and morality being how objective we are not coming from a you know a opinionated standpoint we are coming from truth so one of the main things that people will try to um regurgitate is you're only saying that because that is your opinion or you know that is conjecture so you are taking that as though it is true yet they can't uh they can't separate belief from truth it would be like you know me saying hey every single one of us are going to die you know every single one of us is going to pass away um imagine someone saying that oh that's just 
you know, hell, that's just, you know, how conjecture. No, that is a, such a thing as objective truth. So that's what conjecture is, is when people take opinions and they base their opinions on unsubstantial or incomplete facts or, you know, truth or information. Thanks, Brendan, for um, introducing that. Excellent. Um, so how are we going to apply that to the argument that someone might make to us when we're having a discussion and we're trying to present, let's say, natural law, for instance? Um, I'm going to try to say that everything we do has a consequence in this world and that the the way that people act actually dictates the experience that we're going to have as a race. We're going to have a experience of misery and sadness if lots of humans are practicing evil upon another. And someone who says, well, that's not the case. That's not the way things work. They might argue with me and say that that's conjecture, that I'm just making that up, you know? And I can say you can test this out scientifically in your life and you can see what happens natural laws is what we're experiencing every day is the consequences of our actions so why, why is it that people could live in a world where they think that there's no connection from the things they do to the things they happen you know they're living in a world based on dogmatic thinking that um what people say is what happens or what tv says is what happens or um just choose something that feels good and stick with that. Um, what are some of the experiences you've had in this discussion um, with uh, Conjecture? Rick, can I pass it to you next? Oh, sorry. Uh, I've had, uh, well, I've had a lot, actually. I've had people, basically what you're saying, Chris, I've had the same thing when I get talking about natural law or, or anything. They'll say, well, that you're that's what you think. You know, like, why are you putting that on me kind of thing? So I, I deal with that, too. And it's a, it's a, it's a great discussion. <laughs> but I definitely, I, I don't know, I think a lot of things are adding con to conjecture what people think and their beliefs. I think social media has got a big uh, footprint in that, into what people are believing and throwing out on other people. So I, it's a, it's a definitely something I, I've, I've dealt with and, and I deal with. But I think there's a lot of things contributing to it. That that are making people kind of questioning things like that, if you know what I mean. It's interesting. You know, I almost kind of see this mentality as like a small, minute form of solipsism, because when it all boils okay. down to, you have to, um, you have to come to an understanding: is truth objective or is it subjective? Because when someone's saying, "Oh, that's conjecture." then hell again not only is it a form of projection but they are putting more emphasis on a subjective form of belief and not an objective form of truth so <clears throat> they're saying you're only saying that because that is your opinion and you believe it to be true no it's not about anybody's hell opinion because we can have all different forms of hell opinion and they be so far away from the truth so I see it as a smaller form or coming out of a branch of solipsism because hell again, because they think a certain way, they think that everyone else thinks like them when in fact, no, 
I do not think like you are, you know, how people who are trying to have these conversations do not think like you do. So there is a, such a thing. There is such a thing as objective truth. So it has nothing to do with conjecture. It has nothing to do with, you know, have belief. It has nothing to do with subjective reality per se. The subject can come to understand the object. You know, the microcosm can come to understand how the macrocosm, because there is this dynamic, there is this, this flowing you know, relationship. So it is not about this subjective you know, opinion because you and I don't get to determine what is true. You know, how just like you and I don't really get to determine how what is false. You know, it's about weighing how you know, the evidence and taking the facts and um, and, and then um, uh, using that to interpret objective reality. So that's what it really boils down to. So, uh, hell again, you have a bunch of people who have regurgitated this same hell response. It comes back down to conditioning and mind control and there's no problem with someone, you know, having this response because it's, it, it sparks conversation. It sparks, you know, how the, it sparks a debate. But if you truly done your homework, then you should be able to dismantle this argument uh, because you know, all you have to do is just, you know, have this one on one, you know, relationship and start asking them questions and really uh, get them to start talking. And then they will start to dismantle their own form or their own answer was just was just time you know with just questioning you know with just reason with just with just simple thinking and not just a reaction because because really what they are doing is just reacting because they haven't really sat down and studied and took in this information and really thought for themselves so they are just reacting based on their own form hella programming Um, I'll jump in for a sec and then um, hand it to Jim. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, on the subject of conjecture, like one thing that I think is really difficult about natural law is that it very much is an inner journey. And Rick was just talking about that. It always comes back to the self and knowing thyself and doing the inner work. What does that actually mean? Being able, like we talked about in the beginning, to have two different arguments in your head and to reason something out and think about it and ask yourself, am, am I about to do, is it a right thing or is it a wrong thing? You should be able to solve that problem on your own without a piece of paper or someone else's advice. Not to say it's not a good idea to get people's advice, but we have an, an inner moral compass that's built into us. And someone else might argue with me and say, that's conjecture. There's not really a such thing as that. But I know in my personal experience that I do have an inner compass and that I can find answers and I can discern truth because I've experienced it just like mathematics over and over and over. Every time when I add one plus one, I always get two. And in my own self, every time I've ever sought answers, I've found them. If I if I go through an honest process and, and I can't tell you how to do that in your own personal life because only you can figure that out you know so you could call my process conjecture all you want and that's fine go ahead but your process and your life and getting those answers should not be conjecture you should know what's right or wrong do you don't just accidentally whoops i accidentally killed somebody whoops i accidentally raped somebody oh well you know it's no we we make decisions and we know what we're doing 
even when we're drunk, <laughs> you know, as drunk as people get, they know they're doing stupid stuff, you know? And so, um, that, that's all, I, uh, that kind of little thing popped in my head. I'll pass it to Jim. You're on mute, Jim. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked up the word conjecture quick and, you know, it says when information is lacking, your mind will fill in the gaps. And that's what I find, like, I've been learning a lot lately, like, when you bring up these topic, these topics and, uh, what it's people's natural, like, in, in our psychology, like, to go into that fight or flight. So they're just gonna, like, either try to run away from it or, like, just come up with anything to fill, fill in the gaps to get away from, like, these, like, confronting, this confronting subject of, of the truth, you know? So that's what I, my take on conjecture. I've been learning about the psychology of, of what, why people react that way. They go into conjecture and, uh, yeah, then like you said, like asking these questions, learning about that. And Larkin Rose has been with the candles in the dark and his, He's coming out with a, a newer, newer, uh, seminar, which I'm interested in that. Like, how do you, you know, what's the proper way to, and to deal with the psychology of what, why people go into this conjecture? And so I think that's pretty cool. Um, and pass it to Jerry. Um, awesome round table discussion, guys. Um, Conjecture. I just think that people are just, you know, brainwashed into thinking a certain way. It's what the schooling system system does. They just put you in a uniform. You, you know, you need to get you need to get your hair cut. You can't speak out. You can't think for yourself. Ask a question. God forbid, you'll get smacked with a ruler. And then at home, it was just indoctrination over uh, centuries. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just acknowledging that, you know, not running away from it. Because I think once you ask a question, you might even get the answer before you even finish asking the question. And uh, people run away from that, from the truth. But... I have to say I've become, you know, best friends with the truth. I, every morning, I essentially start my breath work and I set my intention, which is to serve truth. And my life has just improved dramatically, like times a thousand. So people like that tell me, oh, you know, what I'm saying is just conjecture. Um, I have. Look, taking a look at this uh, from within, so as doing the, doing the shadow work per se, questioning it, making sure I'm not doing a wrong action, and uh, I'm not putting up false information, so I 
you know, have came to that conclusion thanks to the trivia method. I took in this knowledge, I processed it, and now I'm speaking it out with my other uh, friends. So I'll pass it to whoever wants to go. Thanks, Jerry. That That's fantastic. Um, I always love hearing each of you speak on these topics. It helps solidify my own thoughts. And sometimes it brings into question a kind of a new way of looking about, about things. And as Brandon said, for listeners, you know, this is really, you don't have to agree with us. This is an opportunity to motivate and inspire you to think about it on your own. And, you know, do you agree or disagree and why? You know, when when you go through that process, like Jerry's talking about, going through that process, you know, gather the information, you know, go back and forth with it and see where it takes you and draw, then you draw conclusions. And something I've been thinking a lot about recently is something I'm starting to call spiritual mathematics. And that this is a very much a scientific process that we're going through life where we learn each day what things we do that don't work out well. You know, we do things that we call wrong (laughs) and we realize that, oh man, when I do that wrong thing, there's negative effects. And that's very real. You know, reality is real. That's why we call it real reality, you know? And so that's what um, we're going to talk about next is moral relativism. And we're also talking about a specific branch of moral relativism that I hear about all the time, which is cultural relativism. It's even in the books they teach kids in school. And it's kind of teaching the idea that you know, things are only wrong or right depending on where they happen. So in other words, you could whip a kid in a different country where whipping kids is acceptable, but not here in this country where we don't believe in whipping kids. So the only thing that makes it wrong or right is the laws of the land. And that's what a lot of people think, that laws are just made by who's in charge and whoever's in chargest gets to make the rules. And Depending on what the rules are, that's what's right or wrong. So um, is that true or not? I'd like to hear your guys' point of view. I'm going to bring up um, – all. by the way, all these wonderful slides were made by, by these group members here that are sharing their wonderful ideas. And um, I really appreciate everyone's thought they put into um, these slides and bringing them for this show. Um, I'll hand it off to Brandon. Yeah, um, <clears throat> this is one of the fucked hard – um, cause this one might really just grind my gears, you know, when I hear it, because not only does it pertain to, uh, you know, how location people say, because, uh, you know, morals change over time. So because you grew up in a certain time, then it may have been right or wrong, but in today's day in, you know, in time it has changed or they'll say, oh, it changes because you are a certain class or, you know, because you are a certain sect you know, in society. So when you have this form or this term cultural relativism, it you know, it pertains to time, class, her location, uh, sect, um, um, you know, status, uh, country, her location, uh, and they're saying that that morals are her relative based on pretty much her location, and that right there is an extreme, um, extreme how dangerous notion. Because you can justify anything. And hell again, I get why people say this 
from their conditioning. I'm not saying these people should be hell attacked. It just grinds my gears because you can easily dismantle this 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 incorrect hell notion because they're coming from a notion based on their programming because we've all had this indoctrin we've all been indoctrinated by the state. And from the moment you have been born, you have been born in a a, a moral relativistic cultural relativistic society because every society that we have is is based on on health cultural relativism hold on Derek's gonna be joining so yep uh so cool. with this notion you can justify pretty much any form of behavior and then you can change right forms of behaviors into wrong forms of behaviors so Derek what's going can on I, can i just add in on that brandon, like that like that's what drives me crazy brandon about is that when you look through history like i've always found this crazy that at one time in history a certain action or whatever it be drinking whatever marijuana is illegal and then at the somebody can just make on you know with the swipe of a pen all of a sudden it's a right and it, it just the every time this goes on it it's kind of like what you were saying it just grinds your gears it just really gets to me that people even think there's any legitimacy in what in that it's just sorry i'm just hey, trying to add that it if just people start me. if people start drinking drinking marijuana we definitely need a law against that well yeah <laughs> that's just too it. dangerous well i eat it i mean it's not far from drinking <laughs> but it's just it just does it grinds my gear i get what brandon's saying like just they can just change things on with the swipe of a pen and on whatever they prefer on a whim it's just and people buy into it. Uh. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Derek, you made it. Glad you came, brother. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me aboard, uh, gentlemen. How's it going? Great. How are Good. you? Sorry Good. to interrupt and be so late, but yeah. <laughs> hey, well, um, how about I put you on the spot? Because yeah, we, we all went around and we talked a little bit about our devil's advocate scenario. Um, we talked about the Mad Max scenario, you know, that that um people say that you know if we work towards anarchy if we work towards getting rid of rulers or we didn't have government without government well who would make the laws and everything would go crazy so um since you're here now i'm gonna put you on the spot and have you talk a little bit about that and um show those slides one more time sure yeah so rick <laughs> i feel you brother and it grinds my gears too and my gears were well in in good uh, operations, uh, getting off a 17-hour road trip. But, uh, you know, looking at, like, a bunch of signs being repetitive, like, buckle up, it's the law, and all this stuff. And, yeah, man, man's law and all these things. And, oh, if we abandon those, yeah, Mad Max is going to come into town. <laughs> but did any of you ask why Max is so mad anyways? Or did... <laughs> has anyone? No, we haven't asked that. Oh, that's all right. Uh, I'm not here to provide any theories behind that, but uh, yeah, maybe he's mad that things are way more cha chaotic than they should be. Just like the absence of um, coercion and that puts people in, under duress and in a unnatural state because we have to obey man's law and this and that. So am I trying to be the devil's advocate to say why like a anarchist uh, or voluntarist uh, society is going to turn into Mad Max or am I responding to that? 
either way, we're just talking through it, you know, trying to get people thinking, trying <clears> to inspire <throat> people to continue the conversation. Well, yeah, well, you know, like the taxes, the paying for the roads and everything, you know, like no one can't think beyond, you know, just, well, you know, we pay into these, you know, systems or whatever, like whoever's using it and this and that, it gets more complicated with interstate highways and you have these small towns and they have to like pay for all this pothole work because they got semis running through it, you know, but uh, like we don't need, you know, the government uh to provide those services we can have those i mean they're all we're all just people anyway so it's just a system that you know it's like a debt-based system pretty much that you know taxes us to death hey, was there uh, any taxes in the mad max by the way sorry <laughs> gas you gotta pay your gas tax man if you you know if i get a hold of you and i chain you to my car then i get all your gas <laughs> that's the way it went down at mad max as i recall mm. Yeah, and some of the gas tax pays for the maintenance of the roads and all that jazz. Something that I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, and another thing we talked about is, like Jim was bringing up, a lot of people are used to their security. And they think, hey, you know, my life's not so bad. I don't see, I don't feel like I'm a slave. I'm not in slavery. I don't know what you're talking about. And we're trying to explain to them natural law and that, you know, even if you're part of this system, you're actually doing the wrong to other people, especially if you're benefiting from stealing, which is, you know, what this system essentially is, you know, is stealing. It's stealing your gas. It's telling you if you want to go from point A to B, you got to pay, you got to pay because we're the gang in charge. We're the authority, right? And we're trying to tell people that we don't need that, you know, and they're saying, well, everything's going to go to shit. And we're saying, look, it's a spiritual question even if it does go to shit we still have to do the right thing because it's principles we got to be principles and objective morality and they're saying well that's just conjecture you're just making that up so we talked about this um, concept of conjecture a little bit too so i'll just run through that one more time to let you catch you up a little bit derek um the Thank idea you. of conjecture you um you want to make any comment on that you know people going saying that we're just making this stuff all up and that it, it's not solid. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's so many logical fallacies and just like the ignorance of uh, certain concepts that are just, they've been out there for a long time. I mean, we get bits and pieces of it for, from all over the place, including like religion with the whole golden rule and this and that. And like, imagine if people just, uh, you know, live by the golden rule we could have a more of a hermetically sealed society nothing like a mad max scenario so uh conjecture my grammar is pretty bad no just kidding <laughs> so is it an argument it seems like a like yeah it's just a logical fallacy that the they're just saying how it's not going to work based off of their a predisposition belief system which is kind of limiting and they're not giving it any kind of proper independent thought, like independent from what they were taught and what the, you know, it's like, use your imagination, that I, Magi nation, you know, wielding a little bit of magic within and, you know, being a little bit creative and like thinking about how these sacred principles, like, oh, wow, like, do they not think that sounds like something interesting or important to, you know, like principles are first things, right? Principia. <clears throat> so I'd kind of be like, well, 
yeah. First things first, and I ain't, I'm not even out the gates properly kind of thing. Like, I, I might want to check that out. So, and then we could go back to them and be like, so what's so great about the government, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, like, are you positive? Yeah. So they, you know, like, are they hitting you up? Are they making sure you're okay and all that stuff? Or are they just spinning wheels and, and you know, the same cycle continues? Yeah, I love I love that your um, answers just coming in fresh, Derek, are um, in a lot of alignment with some of the things we were saying. We were all talking about, you know, oh, the cool. importance of come, coming to these realizations on our own and that you can't just take anything that someone says. You've got to figure it out on your own. And, that, and I feel like that's the way you were going with those two. So we kind of came around now to where you were talking about uh, moral relativism and cultural relativism. And I really think that these ideas that have been sold and they've been pumped out through movies and music and various religions um, have trained people to think in a dogmatic way and to accept that you can't have safety and security without um, a certain amount of evil. We have to accept a level of evil. And I think that's what people really are okay with, that we're going to accept this level of evil government to own us to a little bit, they can own us a little bit so that we can all be more safe and secure. And that's basically what people are accepting. And I don't think that's something good to accept. So um, I'm going to pass the mic to um, who's ready to talk next. Where were we at? Um, Rick, you were just talking when um, Derek jumped in. Um, do you have anything else to say, Rick, before we pass it to someone else? Uh, I, I'm just, I'm going to go on a rant if I do. Because I just, yeah, I just feel free. I mean, I just see. I just it just like I was saying. It drives me crazy that that people buy into this. That's the greatest thing that the, that the government's ever done is deceive people and make them believe that we need them. I just I look at that and I'm like that they, they they really duped people to believe that to to really buy into that to the point where people are like they will they'll pick a side and they will dig a line in the sand and they are gonna die on that hill. That's how great this deception goes and this belief that we need them that they've they've done a great masterful job at that to the point where they're dividing people and keeping us divided and then they and then they then we buy into this belief that we need them to make these laws that oh my god if they don't make these laws if if they don't if they don't uh govern over us and and take care of us you know the whole world's gonna go to hell and then, you know we need them and that's the lie that they've put over people this deception and just really it's the heart of the problem, like one of them, and that's my thoughts on that. I'll pass it. <laughs> people have duped themselves, you know. People have right. duped themselves, you know. How we can't give all the credit to how the government, the people have duped themselves because they continue to, um, you know, continue to stay in these forms of negative thought patterns. So, mm -hmm. you know, when we were talking about how cultural relativism, um. It's like how Pascio said in his natural law, you know, seminar, if you break it down on a one hell versus one, a individual towards another individual, you can easily dismantle these forms of arguments. And, you know, how I see why people continue to have regurgitate that because like Derek said, it always comes back to how the programming, it always comes back to the programming and because they've heard it possibly millions of times it's it's everywhere this whole form of cultural relativism it is everywhere 
So, you know, they're operating based on what they see with just their, you know, five cents, you know, reality and don't really go deeper. And that's really how the problem, you know, when it comes to trying to relay these concepts with other people is people just want to stay surface level or just focus on, you know, like, you know, physical stuff and not go deeper. You have to continue to go deeper, uh, not deeper in the form of external, but de but deeper in the form of the internal, you know, like how Rick said earlier, you know, how shadow work, uh, information, occult knowledge, um, you know, how laws help laws help nature then you can really start to grasp so uh, i'm gonna pass it on to jim because like he's thinking hard about something right now uh -huh. well i mean you know it makes me sad that most of my life i always felt like you know things are fucked up and the government's corrupt and why are they allowed to get away with it and uh, you know this term moral relativism it's like I never heard it like before until a couple of years ago. And even if you try to like, if you bring that term up, moral relativism, people don't automatically understand what it is. But I feel like it's so important, like, for people to really process. You know, like they said before, the government really is like the mafia, but only worse. And like, if people can really sit with themselves and process that and say, like, you know, really get that, that that's, that's so fucked up. And, and like I said earlier, how that, like, we're all contributing to this, this mafia. And if, if we don't contribute to them, then they'll hurt us. They'll put us in a prison. And if we tried to do that, like we would be wrong, but they're right. You know, it's like all these kind of things. Once you start really thinking about it, it's like, wow. And like, but yet you, you, you're led to believe that like, you know, the government's great and be all patriotic in that. So, but it's so like, I'm happy to like start meeting people who are, you know, talking about this stuff and, and processing it. Cause it's like, I guess everyone can can admit that the government's corrupt, but they still don't want to like cop to to it that you know they're like as bad as the mafia say you know like 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 it has to be that way like it and they're just using it yeah and I I don't know why like it's just an example I was thinking of when it comes to marijuana and alcohol and like. A few years back when me and my friends and our kids were younger, we thought nothing of drinking beers around the kids as they're running around. And, uh, like, my friends would, when it comes time to smoking some weed, then you had to hide that, you know? And meanwhile, we all know that the weed is less dangerous than the alcohol. Like, it's a more peaceful substance and... You know, it's just, like, we all know, like, alcohol is just more detrimental to society. And, uh, but yet just because it was written down that marijuana is wrong, then it's like you're insulting your own intelligence because you don't think anything about drinking in front of the kids and letting them see that. But when it comes to 
this other substance, which everyone has the right to put in their body, whatever they want, but just the fact that you think you have to hide it because you don't want your kids to think that you're wrong. Like, so just more of that, like programming and indoctrination, why we believe things like we, we just like believe, like we buy into this stuff, but that's, that's because of the, you know, the relative, but I, I just think it's so important for people to see the, um, it's a great seed to plant into people if, you know, they can process, process, you know, it's, it's really huge. Like it's right. Like Brandon, you always say it's like the number one problem. It's why the world is so fucked up. You know, how could something be wrong and, and be right at the same time? Like depending on where you are, it's well, who you are, you know, like that's like, like every, fucking president that's in my lifetime is a murderer millions hundreds of millions of innocent people have been killed and all we do is vote for them and i I really would love people to process that you know like it's not okay it's just not it's not okay like so you know if i went over to like iraq and started killing people what happened to me? Like I'd be wrong, but if the if the government does it or sends their troops over, you know, it's just and we're just contributing to that. We're voting for these psychopaths who who are like indoctrinating people into this belief system, and you know, like I, I'm just happy that like we're talking about it and. Hopefully people can start talking about it because it, it's just it's just true. It's like it's really what's happening. It's really what's happening. So pass it on, whoever wants to speak. I'll go real quick. So wrestling with the moral relativism thought is like benching uh, a lot of weight. You're gonna be under a lot of pressure until you finally you know realize one day that hey there is this thing called objective morality and truth and then once that day happens you'll just be uh, free as a bird call it the metamorphosis caterpillar turning into a butterfly the bird finally taking that uh, leap of faith and then flying with the wings and it takes time to do these things it's not just overnight but like fear and just really learning, growing, being patient, these are all required in order to do the great work. So you know, regarding moral relativism, I uh, certainly was a moral relativist not too long ago, but you know, if you just keep at it, keep um, you know meditating on these on this topic, I guarantee you you will find the way unless you're lying to yourself and uh, I can't do anything to help you about that but I can practice Parhesia along with these other gentlemen and uh, just serve you the truth as best as possible on uh, the silver platter so I'll pass it to whoever wants to go next So we're being 
So here's the thing, because, you know, I got arrested for possession of marijuana and possession for sale of marijuana and their, you know, legalese, you know, lingo on, you know, having these criminal charges, you know, on my record. And they completely ruined my life, you know, years afterwards. Like, you don't want to be up in the system yet. You know, it's like we would love to just, you know, bypass a lot of these. uh <laughs> What I like to call it is the. Moral relativistic bitch shit, if you will. But, uh, you know, it's just my little jingle. But, um, we all know why these things are in place and, you know, why marijuana was illegal and had the brain numbing booze, you know, and all that, even though prohibition, blah, blah, blah. Here, oh, yeah, yeah. So, Here's what I noticed as well, especially in America. They don't do this that much in France, you know, living out there for a dozen years. Uh, people in America, and I noticed this growing up as well, and, like, people love to police other people, you know, and they, they like to cheer on the police, you know, when they see someone getting uh, busted for whatever, you know. I mean, like, rapists and killers and that. That's uh, aside from all of that, you know, we're talking about uh, man's law that creates, you know, division between what we can and cannot do with our own bodies that, that does not cause harm to other people in a sense and it did, really doesn't you know develop one's behavior to be acting out all fucking violent towards others hopefully because you know others have the right to you know keep their asses in check but anyways you know so <laughs> people out there asking i'm asking people like well why why are you cheering that police officer out you know like that guy you know he wasn't doing anything that wrong, but they just love to see people get in trouble. They love the drama. They love the negativity. And that's what you guys were talking about earlier. I think, you know, caught you guys talking about how, um, <clears throat> the, just all the programming and stuff. What? But yeah, you know, right, Brandon? <laughs> yeah. They're not keeping like, light as a feather, man. What the hell? Yeah. And Derek, trust me, I know the feeling because I was arrested many, many moons ago for having like 0.5 of weed on me. But yeah, um, it's like, it's like a childish mentality, man. You know, um, it's like when you would tattletale on your sibling, you would tattletale on your brother, you would tattletale on your sister, or you was the teacher's pet in these government schools. Um, that's the mentality. And like I said earlier, man, all this is a projection and it is a mental psychosis or the mental illness of physical adults still suffering from childhood hell abandonment issues. Because why else would another adult be tired of telling, you know, going to the authorities? Wouldn't a real adult either fix the problem, solve the problem, or, you know, you know, get someone else who has the consciousness to, you know, to at least help solve, you know, that problem? Like, why do we want to escalate the problem and get mommy and daddy, you know, you know, hell involved? You know, mommy and daddy is going to come give you a slap on the wrist. You know, mommy and daddy is going to come take away your toys. You know, I'm going to tell my mommy on you. I'm going to tell my daddy on you. Like, that's really what hell it is. You know, you got people just narking, you know, just calling. Good say, so that real quick, you maybe think, if you don't mind, like, you know, to, for, you know, Keeping that sacred, you know, masculine and, you know, self-defense in a sense to, you know, make the person stop. Be like, you know, stop doing it. Otherwise, I'll tell mom and dad. I mean, that's a, kind of a classic one. But then you kind of make agreements with them. And like, hey, you know, like if you 
like stop doing that shit like i don't like it you know like if you do it again i'm gonna tell mom and dad type of stuff even though it is kind of appealing to authority i mean the parental authority in that situation at that age is like the best authority for those kids but yeah sorry does that make sense though well yeah and you know what i was gonna jump in and say is that so much of this has to do with fear and that's a really interesting concept because fear is not the root of evil People want to say that. They want to try to say fear is the bad thing. You know, when you think this all out, but fear is not the bad thing. Fear is is a natural emotion. Fear is the reason a deer runs so it doesn't get eaten by a lion. You know, that's a good thing. It protects its life. Fear is part of our built-in self-defense principle because we, we're afraid of dying. But what keeps you know, we're so used to our whole society running on fear and parents even teaching their children based on fear. Oh, when mom gets home or when dad gets home, this is going to happen, right? Punishment. Our whole society is punishment based as if that's the only way to do things. And for, so we're so used to that and so indoctrinated to that, that people are making all these decisions based on fear. It's like I was saying before, we're going to be willing to accept something that we know is kind of not the best. You know, people enforcing their laws on other people because we're afraid that there's crazier people out there and we need these sort of crazy people to keep track of these other crazier people which the whole idea is crazy but we're used to it and and Mm -hmm. and we're afraid to change it seems really scary that's why we're that's why we brought up the mad max thing because it seems really scary that's why someone accuses you of just making up natural law because if you really thought it out, if you didn't believe in it, and then all of a sudden you realize it's true, that'd be kind of scary. That means all the bad shit you did is somehow or another going to come back at you somehow or another. And you're going to actually have to feel all the pain from all the things you caused. So, you know, it's easier to just keep on going and living in this false, dogmatic, authoritarian world we're in, rather than to actually consider there might be something to what these guys are saying that it's wrong to steal from other people and it's wrong to take away people's choice because that's the divine right that we've been given by Mm. reality. (laughs) And that would be how I would conclude. But anybody else, um, let's give your closing thoughts guys and see if we could close this meeting up in the next few minutes here after everybody gives their last um, thoughts. Yeah. Well, I'll jump in real quick. Um, The whole point, of this health discussion was to spark her arguments, was to spark her ideas, was to spark creativity in the mind because, um, you know, how not only should we be having these health debates, you know, how we should be sharing these ideas, how we should be having these conversations, but we also have to, you know, help back these conversations up, um, you know, with action. And, um, you know, so that's the whole point of the devil's advocate was to spark conversation so that should be the the most underlying principle taken hell away from this is is this is about sparking hell conversation because conversation is going to create hell ideas ideas are going to create hell emotions and emotions should lead to right forms hell of action and like i said in the beginning the whole role the whole point of the devil's advocate was to spark conversation was to spark hell ideas so that is what i want people to take hell away from this it is all about sparking hell conversation so even though someone may bring up you know, all of these three things that we talked about you know that we may not like is still creating forms of 
ideas because we know that natural law and objective morality holds weight. Good point. You got that hangman real quick. <clears throat> it's also bringing that, that, that different perspective, flip it around, you know, and yeah, sometimes, you know, it's asking that question in a certain way and approach to, you know, Yes, make them see something clearer and maybe, you know, offer that solution side of things. But, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it just brings me back to the whole, the art of debate and, and being able to spark curiosity and having like meaningful conversations and, you know, allowing space for them to kind of be a little befuddled even or whatever and just stay calm and composed and let them do their thing. And even if they want to get, I wouldn't say want, but sometimes you get that knee jerk reaction and you just got to, like, well, that's why we do the shadow work also, because we understand that, you know, projections come out from people that ain't done the work, in a sense. So that's what, you know, Leslie and I, Leslie Powers, you know, with our Dissolving the Divide, like, we're taking that. Yeah, Brennan, Chris in there. <laughs> um, Y'all be in there, too, later on, fellas. But, um, yeah, just taking that, what is it, the Socratic approach as well, in a sense, asking the questions, trying to bridge gaps. Come to higher understandings on fertile soil of that common ground. Get that alchemical compost up in there. Hermetically sealed shit, right? Because we're trying to build a hermetically sealed society. Not some furious Max or Mad Max, you know, like shit, man. Like he hasn't done his shadow work or something or what? Like, <laughs> just kidding. I'll pass it on. But yeah, uh, great to catch y'all for the last half hour. Oh, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll go. Uh, just I want to end what I'm. Uh, I will end by saying that it for me it's uh, everybody should play the devil's advocate when they're in thought, and I think that's a good thing. And I think if you're in a group or if you're with a friend, you know, I I find great things can happen when you're question things and you do play the devil's advocate. I think that great things can come out of that. Great discussions. I love having discussions about that. And I really always bring it back to that you have to start doing the work on yourself. Deep down, you know the difference between right and wrong. You know. And I always believe that. So you have to start learning about the things that we're talking about. You have to start looking at, about objective, what objective morality is, what principles are, and then looking into natural law. You have to start looking at these things and build from that foundation if you're ever going to see a world that we're talking about, where there, you know, where it's not going to be a, a Mad Max scenario instantly, that people are going to do the work on themselves, and then that's going to project and radiate out, and then we hopefully can avoid a Mad Max scenario. So that's my advice: is to do the work on yourself. And I'll pass it on. Uh, yeah, just. As always, thank you guys. It's, it's great to be able to share and talk up about this stuff. I, I think just this, what we're doing is, even though we're a group, it's, it's all inner work. Um, you know, like the more and more and more people are able, to, you know, to talk about it with each other. It, I think that that counts as shadow work too. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I'll pass it to Jerry and just thank you for 
clear everything, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to say that the truth is literally coming out of so I'm not like even thinking about what I'm saying, I'm just saying it. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you guys for this opportunity. I love you guys. That's it. Yeah, what a yeah, what a great group. You know, I love hearing everybody here. Um Jim, Derek, Jerry, Rick, Brandon. Really appreciate your presence and your point of view. And I hope, I just hope that other people out there listen to all the, your wonderful points of view and consider from their own mind and inside of their own spirit what is right and what is wrong and take that conversation on to others. I got one quick question real quick. Did you guys talk about the trickster archetype uh, at all? No. Oh, just no, but yeah, the devil advocate does come out of yeah, the trickster yeah. archetype. Ah, yeah, yeah. rats. I wish I was here yeah. earlier, but no worries. Um, maybe for another time, but uh, you know, it's like verbally jousting, you know, like <laughs> it's hey, funny. We got, Sorry, we, we're talking, we were talking about coming back at it next week and looking at the same thing, but kind of more from the Socratic questioning point of view. So, you know, cool. that might well, be I'm glad I mentioned that towards the end, right on. Segway. Bring up the trickster. Come up <laughs> with the mixture. good questions. Trickster in the mixture. Yeah, but buddy. yeah, thanks for listeners for hanging out. And um, yeah, this is the one great work warriors. We're here to help teach natural law and urge people to work towards freedom and personal responsibility. Thanks for listening. <laughs>